Hey everyone, I'm Boomer Esiason, and I am so delighted to have you join us here on the Game Time Podcast. Today's guest was named 2022 National Coach of the Year by almost every outfit that confers such honors. And boy, did he deserve those tributes after guiding the University of Arizona to a 33-4 season and a Sweet 16 tournament run in his first year at the helm in Tucson. It is my pleasure to welcome Wildcats head coach Tommy Lloyd. Boomer, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's definitely an honor to, to, to be on a show with you. Coach, welcome to our Game Time podcast, and let's start with your new conference, the Pac-12. It's become one of those leagues that these days you can't tell which teams are in it without a scorecard or a lawsuit. So how do you think this realignment will play out in college sports? It's going to be interesting. You know, um, I, I, I know that, you know, the 10 remaining schools in the Pac-10, you know, for the time being, seem pretty connected and cohesive. And, you know, I think we're hoping that we can get a good media deal and kind of stay intact. I mean, I mean that, that's the feedback that I've been getting. Some coaches believe the transfer portal rules are now too liberal and need some tweaking. Would you like to see any changes to the transfer portal? Well, you know, Boomer, I'm not, I'm not great at telling people what the rules should be. I've always just, you know, operated under, you tell me what the rules are and I'll try to figure out how to operate within them. Um, you know, I, I think it's good for kids to have options and, uh, and, and I'm glad they stopped short of allowing kids to transfer multiple times and be eligible right away because that, that was one of the things that's on the table. So it sounds like you get the one-time transfer and then after that, you know, if you transfer again, you're going to have to sit a year. You know, the name, image, and likeness revolution has taken on a life of its own. And I'm just wondering if you envision the ultimately culminating in student-athletes becoming salaried players down the road. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, wow. I mean, I, 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 I'm sure – I think a lot of us coaches, you know, would love just to have kind of like hard parameters so, so we knew what they were. And, um, and you know, this, this is what players are going to get and, and have, you know, some – equity across the board, but, uh, but I don't know if that's possible, you know, so it's going to be really interesting to see it play out. And, uh, and, you know, if, if, if the next step is these student athletes becoming more like, you know, employees, you know, that'll be interesting because I'm sure that has a bunch of legal issues in, in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, it's it's impossible for you coaches. I don't know how you guys handle all of that and and deal with all the different states and how each state yeah. looks at it differently and how the NCAA is trying to figure out what, you know, it's a role in all of this is. It's amazing. Uh, how has the, the Golden State Warriors Steve Kerr helped you in your transition to the sidelines in Tucson? Now, has he met your point guard, Kerr Carissa? He has. Who hails from Estonia and named after him? Has he met he him? Ha- he has met him, and he, 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 you know, he approved him to wear number 25. And, uh, you know, Steve's been great. You know, w- you know, when I got the job, he was the first guy that called me. And, um, and, and so, you know, it, it's been really great to get to know him and use him as a resource and, you know, just sitting in his office and having conversations. And, you know, he... You know, he, he's, he's told me a couple of things that have really stuck with me. For one, you know, this coaching thing that we're doing is way more art than a science. And, 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 and I definitely believe in that as well. And then he also, you know, he gave me a great little nugget that I think about all the time is, you know, the, the, the way you treat the players and the way they feel about you as a coach is way more important than the angle of the back screen. And, um, and, and so, you know, that's something I always try to remind myself is because, you know, I, I love being a tactician and teaching and talking about details. But at the end of the day, if the players don't feel good about themselves or you, you know, uh, you're not going to get as much out of them. So something I definitely take to heart.
All right, we're talking with Arizona Wildcats coach Tommy Lloyd here on the Game Time Podcast. And Tommy, looking back on a whirlwind debut season, short of four more March and April victories, which would have resulted in a national championship, were you satisfied with the way things worked out your first year? It, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I mean, as a coach, you know, you, you feel like you definitely left a little meat on the bone because, you know, we only get one chance a year, you know, to, 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 to win it all. And, and then, you know, we, we were really excited with the foundation we were able to build. You know, we, we, we still feel like we wish we would have played a little bit better that last game. And hopefully that motivation is going to carry us into this year. You know, a real question that I would have for you is you left your mentor, Mark Few. You were with him with 22 years at Gonzaga. I think it was in your contract that you were going to succeed him when he either retired or left Gonzaga. Uh, but I'm just wondering how you built a whole unique powerhouse through your international brand and, and really what it took to be able to do that there. Well, you know, I mean, I guess they, what they say necessity is the mother of invention. And, you know, when I was young, you know, just kind of starting out at, at Gonzaga, Coach Few was starting out as a head coach. And I think we were looking around and, you know, Spokane, Washington wasn't a haven for Division One basketball players. So we kind of had to think outside the box. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget, you know, he threw a, a pamphlet, you know, a little media guide on my desk. You know, it was a, a German U18 kind of thing from one of their youth national teams. And he's like, hey, why don't you look into some of this stuff? So, you know, day by day I did and started going to Europe and watching tournaments and meeting kids. And one thing led to another. And uh, it's, it's been a ton of fun for sure. And, and it's a huge part of who I am as a person and how I coach. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a little bit uh, later on in this interview. I, you know, you inherited this program at Arizona, and I asked Scott Drew about uh, Baylor and what was going on there with him. Uh, you know, it's not easy to inherit a, a school that's coming out of a scandal and trying to rebuild the trust and reputation of such a program that has had a storied history and had a good reputation. Um, I'm just trying to think why you took on that challenge. Well, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, you know, I was, you know, kind of tagged to be the next head coach at Gonzaga and, and follow, you know, Coach Few. And when, you know, the opportunity to come to Arizona came up, it was a little bit unexpected. And, uh, you know, I just looked at it as an honor and an opportunity of a lifetime. And, and to be honest with you, it's the only job I would have left Gonzaga for. It, it kept me on the West Coast. Um, it's got a tremendous fan base. You know, I, I fully believe you can win at the highest level here. And uh, and I felt like if I turned down this opportunity, I was just going to look in the mirror and, and wonder if I really believed in myself. So uh, took a little bit of a leap of faith, but but took it in a good spot. And, uh, you know, every day, you know, that passes by, I'm more happy I made that decision. You know, I talked about your first year and how remarkable it truly was. You lost three players to the NBA. And I'm just wondering, how, how do you replace players of that magnitude? And what does this year's team look like? Well, you know, that, that, that's college basketball, you know, this day and age. You know, if you have talented players that play well, there's an opportunity you're going to, to lose them early. And, you know, as for replacing them, you know, you, you got to be creative. You know, I think the first thing you do is you got to develop guys within your program. And your returning players have to get better. And then, you know, obviously you want to recruit a few talented freshmen and and kind of gauge where they're at and how they can contribute early. And then you have this transfer portal thing. You go get a few transfers to kind of supplement your roster. And, uh, you know, it, it just definitely roster management is a huge part of our job now. And, um, you know, it, it's not a perfect science by any stretch, but uh, I feel good about the pieces we have in place. And, you know, I'm excited to see what this team can do this year. You know, Tommy, I uh, looked up a couple of stats about your team last year. You know, you led the nation in assists per game. And that's great. That's an awesome stat. But what people out there may not know, 
the way I look at it is your team probably led the nation in speaking a lot of different languages. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. How many languages does your team actually speak? Well, you know, last year I know we had four French speakers. Uh, you know, we have we had an Estonian, um, we had a, two Lithuanian guys. Um, you know, so so you know, we definitely had people from all over the globe, and 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 I just think that's a really cool in this day and age to to get people together from all different parts of the world and different cultures, and and have them blend so seamlessly is really inspirational. And uh, it's something I love being a part of. And, uh, you know, and, and for me, I guess it's just become commonplace. I'm so used to being around, you know, international players and, and people from different cultures that it's something I really appreciate. Well, it's a winning combination for sure. We're just getting warmed up with Tommy Lloyd. We'll talk about growing up with hoops fever in the Evergreen State when game time continues right after this. Welcome back to Game Time, everyone. Tommy Lloyd grew up in southwestern Washington State in the shadows of Mount St. Helen. Now, Jeff Rhineland, his basketball coach at Kelso High School, recalls that Lloyd was a super dedicated player. Whatever he lacked in athletic ability, he made up for with intensity and hard work. You know, uh, Tommy, Jeff Rhineland was more than just a high school coach to you. He became your basketball guru, if you will, and you followed him to Walla Walla Community College. So how did your relationship with him shape the way that you've become a coach now? Well, you know, I grew up, you know, a small town boy in a blue collar town. Um, you know, my dad probably would have been a good, you know, high school athlete, but he had to work, you know, so he never got a chance to play sports. And, and fortunately, you know, I was provided with those opportunities to you know, participate in every sport. You know, I mean, I grew up in a, you know, it was Friday Night Lights football town and, you know, baseball was a huge deal. And then Coach Rhineland came to town and he was this, this, you know, he was a spitfire and a super aggressive coach, a little bit out of the Bobby Knight mold. And, um, and you know, that really connected with me. And, uh, and, and his passion for basketball was something that, that really influenced me. And I actually I allowed me, I mean, I quit playing the other sports and just focused on basketball, which was a little bit of a controversy in my you know, hometown. And, uh, and yeah, just so, so his passion was really allowed me to focus on basketball and, uh, you know, it, it's, and, and, and that passion is, you know, kind of, you know, bled into me and it's not something that's never stopped. You know, after two years at Walla Walla, you played one season at Southern Colorado and then attended Whitman College. Now there I read you studied biology because you thought maybe you were going to become a doctor. How did that, uh, where, where did the where did that stop? Well, you know, Whitman's a, a great academic school. And, you know, to be honest with you, I probably don't get in there if I don't play basketball. And, uh, and you know, you know, you know, whatever. I had these delusions, you know, that I could be a doctor. And, <laughs> and I got into classes with some of these other kids and they were so smart. I'm like, man, th these guys need to cure cancer. I, I, I just need to figure out how to, you know, win basketball games and, and, and become a coach. So I, I chose, uh, you know, a, another path, you know, but, but, uh, and, but I'm thankful I did. And, and you know, but, but I'm honestly, I'm thankful to have been really pushed academically because I was around some really, really talented, really smart people. And so I have a ton of respect for what they do. And, uh, and it kind of pushed me in the right direction for me because I knew I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. You know, Coach, I always say know who you are and know what your lane is and stay in it. That's what I always say. <laughs> no doubt. No, perhaps the one shining, how about this, the one shining moment uh, at uh, your brief tenure at Southern Colorado is when you met your wife, Chanel. Yes. And, you know, and she's a very big portion of your life, a part of your life, and we're going to get into that in a minute. So how did you meet Chanel and where did you take her on your first date? Do you remember? 
Oh, oh, yeah, I think I did. I think I think we met playing cards, you know, at a college party, probably some sort of, I don't know, drinking game, I guess you could say, maybe, you know, like 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 all college uh-huh. couples meet. And uh, and I, I think our first date was Red Lobster. And she loves to tell the story how, um, you know, we went to order it. And hey, you know, I mean, it, there was like a all you can eat soup and salad bar special. And I was like, no, well, she was going to get, you know, like shrimp or something. I said, no, I think we'll both just take the all you can eat soup and salad bar. And to this day, she doesn't let me forget about that. <laughs> That's a great story, Tommy. I read that, that you guys went to the Red Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I took my wife to a pizza parlor called Armando's. Nice. Uh, on Route 1 in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love it. Deep dish pizza. She had a salad and I had the deep dish pizza. And there we go. Now, Tommy, this is amazing. Looking at your bio, I realized that you were an international basketball player. You didn't want to give up the game. And after Australia, you got another invite to play in Dusseldorf, Germany. And eventually, you and your wife, Chanel, traveled all over Europe. You'd also visit Egypt, Zimbabwe, and then went back down under. So how cool was it to live out of a backpack and see the world with your wife? I mean, it was, it was an amazing, you know, life-changing experience. And, and I'm so glad... We did it, you know, when we did. And, and I wish, you know, if that's, you know, one piece of advice I could get every young person, you know, you know, wh- whether you're transitioning from high school to college or college to real life is travel. You know, travel when you're young, travel when you don't have, you know, a, a mortgage, a car payment, all that stuff. And, you know, we did that trip. We didn't have much money, you know, probably 40, 50 bucks a day and backpacks and, uh, and, uh, you know, it, just, it, really, it really molded us and created memories for a lifetime. And to be honest with you, friends of a lifetime. And we still have friends, you know, that, you know, we had this couple we'd met from New Zealand when we were in Zimbabwe. And just this last year, they came out and hung out with us in Arizona, you know, t- some 20-some years later. So really cool stuff. You know, the other thing that people probably don't know about you is that your brother was an exchange student and that your parents always hosted yes. exchange students. So you kind of were exposed to this, I guess, the, the difference where people come from and who they are and how to adjust to who they are. Yeah, for sure. You know, my brother was an exchange student and then, you know, and then the, the, the exchange organization called my parents and asked if they would host. And then so we did. So we started hosting exchange students every year. And it was really cool, you know, for a small town boy from a blue collar town to, to meet these people from Japan, Russia, Germany. And uh, so, yeah, I think I just became fascinated with other cultures. And, and I think you're right. But you just you developed a certain comfort level. And, uh, and, you know, of, of have understanding people and their cultures from other parts of the world. And, uh, yeah, and to this day, I mean, a lot of our friends, for my wife and I, are from, you know, different countries. And we really love that. You know, you just talked about the final chapter of your trip with Chanel. You went back to Brisbane, Australia, and realized that you were nearly broke, as you said. <laughs> uh, so you found a job running a local hotel. So what responsibilities did each of you have at that hotel? Well, well, we had met this family that had kind of taken us in, you know, the first time around, the Barak Sepolo family. And, uh, and they had a hotel, and their, their managers or, you know, their on-site people left. And so they asked us if we could run the hotel for a few weeks. And, you know, obviously with no experience. So the next thing you know, we're running a hotel and I'm grabbing the tags off the door and having to cook breakfast and things like that. And I didn't know what the hell a poached egg was. So I had to learn how to cook a poached egg. And, you know, and uh, yeah, we just had a ton of fun. Just, you know, I I would, we were checking people in, making sure the rooms got cleaned. And, uh, you know, I was bartending at night and uh, yeah, just, just a lot of fun. And it was a great experience. And, uh, you know, we look back on that with fond memories. And what actually what that did is, you know, we made, I don't know, a thousand or 2000 bucks. 
But that allowed us to go stay in Fiji for a little bit. So we went and stayed on this little island in Fiji. You could walk around in five minutes in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So uh, just, just unbelievable memories and experiences. You know, all good things must come to an end. And uh, so why did you decide it was time to come back to the United States? And did you have an actual plan for the next stage of your life? Well, you know, you, yeah. The, I mean, the first thing I did is I student taught. And, um, you know, I student taught in, in, in Spokane because, you know, I was going to go to Gonzaga and kind of volunteer. And, I, you know, I didn't know if I'm going to be a college coach or a high school coach. So I had to get my teaching degree. And one of my first, uh, you know, students at the high school where I student taught was a young freshman you know, who kind of had scraggly hair and skinny and he was ornery and wearing a Pantera t-shirt and it was Adam Morrison. And, um, and so, yeah, so it was really cool. I mean, I mean, these are amazing, you know, memories going back. And then, you know, one thing led to another at Gonzaga and, um, and I, and I, you know, I just kind of lucked out and was at the right spot at the right time. And, and, you know, it was a program that was building and didn't have a bunch of resources. So they needed manpower. So I gotta, I gotta go there and, you know, I was asking for nothing but an opportunity and, and roll up my sleeves and just get a ton of opportunities to do a ton of different things. And it was really cool. All right, we'll be right back to talk about how a carpenter's son from Kelso helped build a monumental program in Spokane. Welcome back, everyone. When Tommy Lloyd began at what would become a 22-year stint at Gonzaga, his boss, head coach Mark Few, told him that if he really wanted to advance in the coaching profession, he would need to develop a niche area of expertise that would differentiate him from other assistant coaches. So how would you describe Mark's vision of what he asked you to do there, Tommy? Well, you know, I mean, I think he knew, you know, we, need, we needed to find better players. And, you know, and, and, and Gonzaga was, you know, kind of just, just still in that Cinderella stage. So, you know, recruiting highly ranked guys and really talented guys, you know, w was still difficult. And, and so, you know, I think, you know, he had a vision and it kind of aligned with maybe what some of my strengths would be is, you know, let, let's go fish in waters, you know, that others aren't fishing in. And, uh, and so we started going over to Europe and, you know, we, we, you know, we'd have two or three or four European guys at a time, but it really added to, you know, to our roster and kind of helped us allow to take the next steps talent wise. And then what kind of came from that is these European kids play a little bit of different style of basketball. And then so we were kind of able to take some of how they naturally play and kind of convert it into our system. And so our system evolved of playing, you know, to become a, you know, kind of a very Eurocentric style of basketball. And uh, it, it was really cool because there was, I'll say this, there was no master plan. It was just kind of, you know, guys getting together and trying to make simple good decision by simple good decision. And one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, hey, we had this reputation for having all these international players and playing this great style of basketball. Just so people out there know, you brought players into Gonzaga from every continent except for Antarctica. And if there were a basketball team up there or a basketball coach up there, I'm sure you would have his number in your phone. Uh, you were just crazy when it came to international players coming to that school. But then, you know, you, you kind of combine that with your love of travel, mm -hmm. like your exposure to all these different cultures. I would think that was uh, obviously a strength of yours, and it's one of the reasons why you were able to build that program to where it is. For sure. I mean, you're, you're right. It, it, it's definitely, you know, it was a win-win situation for me because, I mean, traveling is one of my passions, and then, uh, and then obviously basketball, you know. Put, so I'm able to put those two things together, and, you know, and, and 
and and then it doesn't really become work. You know, it's it's just really you're pursuing a passion and having a ton of fun doing it. So um, I couldn't imagine it doing it any other way. And, uh, and and I'm so thankful that it's played out the way it has. Do you recommend TSA PreCheck or Clear? Well, you know, um, you know what I really recommend: private jets. Yes. <laughs> but, well, not all of us could do that. I can tell you that. But, not all but, uh, basketball but uh, definitely, I, I just do TSA pre-check, and that seems to be enough for me. Uh, but, but the clear, all right. I, I just have lived in Tucson and Spokane, so they're smaller airports. So you really don't need that clear line as much. So um, I, I've never really went down that path. All right. So now how heartbreaking was it reach, uh, to reach the national title game back in 2017? You're still at Gonzaga at this point. You guys lose to North Carolina, unfortunately, then two years ago. When you had this unbeaten season, it was an amazing season. You fell one game short against Baylor. How, how difficult were those losses? Well, you know, I mean, they, they were tough. Um, you know, uh, just to be so close, um, you know, it's a little bit heartbreaking not to get over the top. But, but for me, what it did, it really reaffirmed that we were doing things the right way. And, uh, you know, to have, have this program that, you know, I was luckily to be a part of as it grew up, you know, this Gonzaga program that kind of rose from nothing to, to being able to compete from national championships really, you know, told me that, you know, I don't need to outthink myself here. Let's double down on the way we've done things because there, there's a track record. You can get to the top or right near the top with it. So, um, so yeah, it, it's gave me a great, a great roadmap to follow for sure. You know, I think of you as a really thoughtful guy, just listening to you talk about your experiences in life and everything else. And I'm just wondering about eight or nine days after that final loss to Baylor, were you nervous about telling Mark Few that you were interested in this Arizona job and how difficult of a conversation was that? And how did he react to your telling him that you wanted to get this job? Well, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I had made this, the decision that I was going to take the job. And then, you know, I went down to you know, to Gonzaga and, and, you know, anybody that knows Fuey can imagine the setting. We, I, I kind of walked in our weight room and he was just in there, no shoes on, just kind of, you know, moving around a little bit. And, uh, and I told him, Hey, I'm going to got this opportunity to, and, you know, I, I'm going to take this job at Arizona. And, you know, and then he just kind of shook his head and he, he made a great statement. You know, his, his statement was, you know, who would have thought, you know, five or six years ago that Arizona would be hiring, you know, the assistant coach from Gonzaga. You know, because um, that really shows how far the program had come. And, and he also said, who would have thought that we'd be in two national championship games? And um, so, so I thought that was great perspective from him. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been tough, you know, I mean, you know, because you're basically leaving a, a significant part of you. It's like growing up and leaving home. You know, it really is. And, uh, and you know, and I'm not the greatest at staying connected because, you know, my mentality is always now and next. And uh, I'm not a great reminiscer, but um you know, I, I definitely have nothing but love for everybody in Spokane and for what they've done for me and what they mean to me. And, uh, and you know, I, I think back with fond memories when I get it, when I get a moment to reflect. But, um, but hey, I, I, I mean, I ended up in an amazing place. And like you said, a, a son of a carpenter from Kelso, Washington. Now you're the head coach at Arizona. It's a heck of a story. And, um, you know, I, I'm definitely not finished writing it. And, uh, and, and I, and I want to do special things for this community. Because um, I know when Arizona basketball is playing well, I mean, this community is engaged and excited, and, and, and it's an honor for me to be able to try to deliver that for them. Okay, let's totally shift gears here on the Game Time Podcast. Tommy, you've been living in the Sonoran Desert now for over a year and a half, but do you really know Arizona? So we've cooked up a little challenge that we like to call the Cactus Quiz. 
That's because the questions can be a little bit thorny. Are you up for this? Bring it on. All right, in the popular 1969 Beatles song, who left his home in Tucson, Arizona for some California grass, who was that? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to know this, too, because I do like the Beatles. Yes. Uh, I'm going to have to pass on that one, but fill me in. All right, JoJo and Get Back. Okay, yeah, JoJo, Get Back. I probably didn't sing it. it well enough for you anyway, so it's okay. So this popular 1987 crime comedy film has the Grand Canyon State as one of the two words in its title. What is the name of this Coen Brothers movie from 1987? Raising Arizona? Yes, you got that one right. What signature deep fried Southwestern dish was reportedly invented in Tucson? Chimichangas? Yeah, that's right. In 1968, this British band was transported brick by brick to Lake Havasu City, Arizona, in hopes of creating a tourist attraction in the desert. Which bridge is it? London Bridge. Exactly. They sold it because, well, as the song goes, it was falling down. Uh, So at the Four Corners Monument, you can stand in one spot with a hand or foot touching four different states. In addition to Arizona, what are the three other states? Utah, New Mexico, Colorado. You're right on it, man. You are right on it. Very impressive, by the way, coach. All right, finally, and clearly you deserve a break today. In 1975, this fast food chain opened its first drive through location in Sierra Vista, Arizona. in and out no, think about this. You deserve a break today. You deserve today. a break today. Oh my gosh. Can I phone a friend? Really that would be McDonald's. McDonald's, wow. Yes, yeah. their first drive through in uh, 1975, believe it or not. Wow, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm good friends with a guy who owns a bunch of McDonald's here, Paul Diaz. I'm going to have to ask him about that. I'm sure you will. All right, final question for me, and this is really about college basketball fans, and I know they're eager to see Arizona play Gonzaga. And we're just wondering when this series is going to be resumed, and are you and Mark Few looking forward to that? Well, we, we, we actually owe them one. We can contractually owe them one game. So, um, you know, uh, I think we've pushed it back a few years. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure at some point, you know, uh, Arizona is going to play Gonzaga. And, uh, and, I, and I think it'll be great for college basketball. I don't know if it'll be great for me personally, but uh, I guess I'm going to have to <laughs> sacrifice for the greater good. All right, Eric, thanks to Tommy Lloyd for joining us today. And for all of you out there watching on Boomer Asai, so we'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time.